Ladies and gentlemen, take a walk with me to a place where memory lane is a sought after place, where stories will titillate you and fun has no end. We call this broadcast Hitting the Mark. Tonight's topic, comedian Jack Carter and the star of our show, Mr. Jeffrey Mark. I feel like I'm in a gondola rowing us towards memory lane. What a great idea. What a great idea for a show. Jack Carter was at one time in my life, one of my closest friends. And he deserves to be better remembered today than he was. So let's talk about my buddy. And hopefully I'm gonna tell you guys a lot of things you never ever knew about him. Now, usually on our show, I just start talking. But since I know that Ray Carr and Cindy Verbalin, who are my co-hosts and producers of this wonderful show, don't know a lot about Jack, I thought maybe it'd be fun to have you guys ask me some questions up front. And as I answer them, I can sort of fill out and tell you who Jack really was. Okay. Um, Jeffrey, Jack wasn't just a comedian. But before I get to that, let me ask you this. What made Jack Carter funny? Anger anger i told jack he should he should call his autobiography the first angry man jack was brilliant brilliantly funny brilliant in that he should have had a deep college education jack was smart enough to have been a doctor of anything uh, anything with a phd or an md or anything else after his name he could have been an attorney he could have been a philosopher he spoke languages, but he had this just built-in anger. He, he so wanted to be at the top of his field, so wanted to be treated like a legend. And he worked so hard to get there, and he almost did. Jack Carter... Is, is one of a whole bunch of comedians who became famous right after World War II, many of whom sort of uh, learned at the feet of Milton Berle. Raucous, uh, hard-hitting, punchline comedians. Jack was smarter than most of them. Jack was more like a Steve Allen. Jack was a Renaissance man. But what made him so funny was when he would explode. And this is true in real life as it was on camera or in a nightclub. The little things in life just annoyed him, annoyed him terribly. And you would sit there and have coffee with him and just watch these explosions. And his wives, his children and grandchildren, myself, his friends, we'd sit and laugh. But he was serious. He was really angry. Uh, before, before our time today is over, I will tell you one of the saddest stories I can ever tell about how anger bit someone in the behind. His own anger hurt him. But I think that that's true of Jack's career. Uh, I, I guess we need to talk about his career for a moment. So yeah. friends out there who are listening, those of you who don't know, Jack was one of the kings of nightclub comedians mid-century, 20th century. To that end, he also got on television very, very early. When ABC 
literally didn't have any stations yet. They were having their programming put on at the largesse of CBS and NBC just to give them some practice of putting on shows. Jack did some specials for ABC. They did well enough for him that NBC decided they're going to call their entire Saturday night, Saturday night varieties with only two shows, a one hour show, the Jack Carter show coming from Chicago and a 90 minute show called your show of shows coming from New York. That was their Saturday night lineup. And there was tension and problems with Jack's anger from the beginning. Jack felt he was in Chicago. They did it from Chicago because in those days, there weren't enough open studios at 30 Rockefeller Plaza in New York where NBC was to put on two variety shows back to back. They didn't have the space for it. So they needed to broadcast shows from Chicago just to give their New York crews time to turn around, set up, go to the bathroom, have a cup of coffee. So they decided to put Jack in Chicago. It was called the Chicago style of broadcasting. And he did an hour. Uh, he had regulars, not as popular as the ones on your show of shows with my friend Sid Caesar and Imogen Coca and Carl Reiner and Howard Morris. But it was a funny show. Jack was angry. He was angry he was in Chicago. He was angry that your show of shows got better guest stars, better writing, uh, if they had ideas for concepts for sketches, if it was anything like what the show of shows was doing, they couldn't do it. He felt like the stepchild and let people know. In a loud voice, he let people know. Well, guess what? The Jack Carter show was off the air because NBC said basically up yours. Who do you think you are? We're giving you a chance here. You're riding on the coattails of your show of shows. You're getting good ratings. Why aren't you happy? Why aren't you enjoying this? Why aren't you working on building your show instead of worrying about what they're doing? And they had enough and they canceled it. So, so Jack became a favored guest on every variety show and a big, big, big name in nightclubs because Jack was fearless and wonderful and funny as hell. And he didn't have an act per se. He had routines, he did. But he would feel out the, I've never seen another comedian do this. And I've watched this right up close with him. He would walk through an audience beforehand and interview them. Oh, where are you from? What do you do for a living? What are you watching on television? What's your favorite restaurant in this town? He'd gather info from the audience and then use it on stage. Brilliant. He would, he would now some of it was routines where he would just <clears throat> fill in the blank names and places of local things, but also he found out what topics that bunch of people, that 300 or 1,000 people cared about that day that might be funny. That's what he did in his act. I think that's fantastic. It's brilliant. And it really is like flying without a net. And he did this right up to the end. And I, I know that because I was there literally holding him up while he's walking through the audience. I'm with him, seeing him do this. And then going backstage to watch him perform and just slaying the audience. Anger, 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 anger. There was a part of Jack 
Ruta Lee called him like somebody's loving old auntie. He cared about people. He cared about what happened to you. Did you eat? Did you sleep? Are you feeling all right? And then on a dime, it turned into some sort of anger thing. Jack wasn't the only one like that. Chuck McCann could be like that. Shelley Berman, a lot of anger. Uh, humor coming out of anger. And one thing all three of these men have in common, they all felt they should have been bigger stars than they were. Um, Jack was big time in New York. He wasn't Bob Hope. He wasn't Jack Benny or George Burns. He wasn't Lucille Ball. He was the next level down. He was Buddy Hackett. He was that level of comedian who could do Broadway, who could do films, who could act, who, who could do talk shows, but he wasn't a legend. He was a big, big star. He wanted to be a legend. And uh, it hurt, but he wasn't. So he aspired to be that. There was very little Jack couldn't do. He could sing, he could dance. He was a good actor, a good comedy actor, a good serious actor. He was trained alongside of Sheila McRae and Gordon McRae by NBC. They had acting school after World War II to train people for TV and other things. He just kept screwing himself up. But why? Why was he mad? He felt he was smarter than everybody he was dealing with. He felt he was more talented than everybody he was dealing with. Well, if we take those two sentences, he was angry because he was insecure. He wasn't tall. He had wiry thinning hair, even early on. Uh, I don't mean this in a sexual way. He was built nicely. When he was a young man, he was in shape. He had muscles. He looked good in a bathing suit, but he wasn't a sex symbol. His marriages were difficult because he traveled all the time, because of the anger, because we don't know why he would choose certain women over certain others. We found out actually that I was a distant relative of his by marriage. Jack's first wife was related to the Mann family, like the M-A-N-N theaters. And we were talking one day and I, I, he was, we were talking about uh, sorrow, turning sorrow into a comedy, turning a tragedy into comedy. He was like, what's the worst you'd heard of? And I happened to remember on my father's side of the family, a cousin who had, I think the story was had gotten married and very soon thereafter was killed in a car accident in Brooklyn. And he goes, what was the name? And I told him, he said, Jeff, that's my first wife's family. So obviously my, my, my birth, my legal last name, which we're not going to discuss, but is similar to man, M-A-N-N. And it turns out that Jack and I were related by marriage and he knew some of my relatives, hmm. which gave us a bond. That Forrest Gump thing about me was happening again. I walked into this. I guess we should say how I met him. I was uh, working on the first book about Lucille Ball that I wrote. Uh, so this would have been the middle 90s. And uh, as we all know, I'm, the new Lucy book is coming out in uh, 
2022 and I'm working on it right now, but this was 25 years ago from the time we're talking. And Jack allowed me to come to his mansion in Beverly Hills on Chevy Chase Drive, next door to where Joy Bishop had been living and around the corner from Jack Benny and Lucille Ball and Dion Warwick and Rosemary Clooney and Ira Gershwin and James Stewart. It's, it's, it's a happy little block, at least it was back then. And uh, he, he couldn't have been nicer to me. And we were done talking about Miss Ball and I just kept coming and he kept inviting me. And pretty soon he wanted to write a book about himself and he wanted, he wanted a friend. He wanted someone new to tell stories to who hadn't heard them all before. He wanted someone who understood his history, who understood comedy, but wasn't a threat. See, other comedians were a threat to Jack. Not that I'm not a comedian, but I'm not Jack Carter or Buddy Hackett. I never worked at that level like they did of doing stand-up. My stand-up was done in smaller clubs. I never, did I ever? Uh, except for charity, I've never done stand-up on television. Uh, yeah, I've made movies and TV, but not, not like these guys did. Didn't so you want I, Carson? I was on The Tonight Show right after Carson, but I sang. I was oh, there you as sang. A, you didn't do stand-up. Okay. I was there as a singer, not as a stand-up. Got it. Uh, yeah, I wasn't going to compete with Jay Leno. But back, back to Jack Carter. Uh, he liked me. He liked me so much that year after year, I kept coming around. I'd spend holidays with him. One Passover uh, was around the table was Sid Caesar and his wife, Jack and his wife, Jack's manager, Norm Crosby and his wife, and me. And then their associated children sat at, now the children's table, they're all adults. They're all in their early 20s, but they sat at the kids' table. We sat at the comedian's table. And you sit there, and Lenny Kazan, also Lenny Kazan. Uh, you sit there and go, all right, how the hell did this happen? How did Jeffrey Mark come out of Brooklyn and now he's spending Passover in Beverly Hills with these people? who have an interest in my career. And you know, you, 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 talk, you talk with them about fans, getting fan letters and things. And I, I said to them, you guys, uh, am I boring you? Uh, you've gotten millions of letters, all of you in your lives. Me getting fan mail is a fairly new thing in my life. And they, oh no, please tell us the stories. Like they were actually interested. Perhaps they were, they were very, very nice. But uh, that, was, that was what life with Jack was like. You went to his house. We ate in the kitchen. I can't tell you how many Chinese food dinners we had in his kitchen with other celebrities. He came over just to hang out and have Chinese food. You know, it was like any other um, baby boomer Jewish family who brought in Chinese food and ate it in the kitchen, except the people I was eating it with were tremendously famous. And you laughed, you told stories and, and shared information like any other family did. We had a really good time. Going out with Jack was a little more difficult. The anger thing. We went to Nate and Al's Delicatessen one day for lunch. Nate and Al's, for those of you who have never been to Beverly Hills, 
was the preeminent Jewish delicatessen in Los Angeles. Uh, last I heard, because of COVID, it is closed. Maybe forever, we don't know. But we were there, and anyone who wanted Jewish deli went there. Even celebrities had to wait online to sit down. So Jack and I are waiting online, and Robert Wagner is there having lunch with somebody I didn't know. And I said to Jack, Robert Wagner is staring at us. Jack, he's seen us. We should go over there and say, hello, we're waiting for our table anyway. Jack said, no, I'm a bigger star than he is. He comes over to my table. Wow. But you know, but you know something? They sat us, we ordered. He came over, he kissed Jack on the cheek. Jack introduced me. He said, oh yeah, I've heard about you. Congratulations on your success. Please call me RJ. That's how I met Robert Wagner. And I'm, I will call him RJ because he asked me to. But RJ knew the game. He, RJ knew what Jack was doing, but he came over because Jack was older, more senior than he came over. Class, classy, classy man. Jack would put people like, like he would put them in these positions and you'd sit there and you'd want to like just shrink down in your chair and hide knowing that you can't. Uh, every restaurant we went to, Jack insisted on talking to the manager or the owner. Quite often the people he was asking for were no longer alive or no longer there because Jack wanted special treatment. He demanded to be treated like a star. Demanded it. He didn't wait for it to happen. He demanded it. Uh, I go to restaurants today or at least up through COVID anyway. And there are many times where I'm recognized and I'm treated very nicely because of it. But I don't go into a restaurant and say, I'm Jeffrey Mark, please kiss my behind. I don't do that. If I get the respect, that's wonderful. I don't demand it. And when Jack did, it was embarrassing. What is it with a lot of these people, you know, that they're all about me and demanding what they think they deserve or, you know, the attitudes because they're not getting it. It's an old axiom. Show business is a very, very tough business. One has to be tough to survive. One has to be tough to get anywhere. You can't be a shrinking violet. And there are things people do. That I, I wouldn't do, even on Facebook, I, I have people I love who promote their products and their upcoming whatevers shamelessly. I would never do that. That's what you have a publicist for. And they'll do it 16 times a day, every day. I can't do that, but they feel they have to. Uh, there is very little room at the very top of show business. Mm-hmm. Only so many people can be legends and superstars. If one is a grounded human being, one understands, hey, I'm working all the time. I'm financially secure. I'm living in a beautiful house. I'm driving a Mercedes. Yeah, perhaps I'm not on the lips of every American. Perhaps I'm not on television every day, but I have a good life. Those are the happy people. Those are the happy people in show business who enjoy what they're doing and are, now 
doesn't mean they don't work, also work very, very hard. Eve Arden is a good example of somebody who lived for her husband and her children. Sometimes she took work just to be able to buy them what she wanted to buy them. She cared about being a celebrity. She cared about the quality of her work, but her first love was her family. There are other celebrities out there. Their first love is their work. And if the work isn't satisfying in some detail, they get terribly disappointed. Yeah, That's a long answer to your short question. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Hitting the Mark. I am Cindy Verbalin with Ray Carr and our star, the Mark, Jeffrey Mark. 